Hey everybody and welcome to episode number three of Deeper Underground. My name is Peter Jenkins and joining me as always is my magnificent co-host Mr James Wolford. James, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's good to be talking to you once again without some technical issues going on in the background. <laughs> we certainly have had some issues in the last couple of days. <laughs> so first off, it was my, well, it was kind of my fault. We were supposed to record um, and then my my uh, one of my children was ill. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was my youngest daughter who had an incredibly bad sore throat. She wouldn't even swallow her own spit. Oh. Uh, it was that bad. Um, so she was like dribbling like a baby again. She's two and a half. So that wasn't fun. So that meant that uh, we had to postpone that. And then we were scheduled to record uh, last Friday, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and that's when we had a few technical issues, shall we say. <laughs> The technical issue being my mic had completely crapped out and was deafening James with a lovely buzzing noise. But here we are, brand new mic has been invested in. Hopefully I am sounding as magnificent as I do in real life. You sound a lot clearer to me, so hopefully that comes across. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, James, I understand you've uh, you've had a bit of a, a live wrestling uh, experience the last couple of weeks. Do you want to talk well, a little yes. bit about that? Well, I managed to achieve what I thought once impossible. I persuaded my wife to come and watch a wrestling show. I'll now, you have a round of applause straight I, off the bat. Thank you, thank you very much. I will take that applause. She is not somebody that was a wrestling fan. Whenever I put it on the telly, she's like, "What is this shit?" And um, she described her excitement levels of going to the show as, "I'd rather be putting pins in my eyes." But I managed to persuade her because I was going with uh, two friends of mine, Daniel Mills and Mark McEwen, who we know through the Inside the Ropes community. Um, shout out to them if they're listening. I know Mark listens. I'm still working on Daniel. But they were bringing their wife and girlfriend. So I said to my wife, I was like, well, they're coming. You know, and there's a bar. So I managed <laughs> to persuade her. And it was Rev Pro at the York Hall. High Stakes was the show. And it was headlined by Will Ospreay versus Pac. So the tickets sold out in like less than an hour because everybody wanted to see this main event. And it was it was incredible. It was Some people weren't happy about the ending because it ended up as a time limit draw, but they're both champs in their individual companies. So it kind of had to have a non-finish. Yeah. But the action was incredible. It was a bit... They, they did telegraph it because they kept announcing... Five minutes to go, and you know, all basically since the match started, this match will have a 30 minute time limit. <laughs> yeah, and so it was so obvious what was going to happen. But it was a really good match, and you know what? She enjoyed herself. Wow. She really enjoyed herself. Now, I haven't managed to persuade her to come again. I'm working <laughs> on that. So I'm going again to see uh, Rev Pro in May because there's a ladder match between David Starr and El Fantismo. Nice. Um, and I've never seen a ladder match live. And if you ask me hands down which of my favourite stipulation matches, I'd say a ladder match. So getting to go and see a ladder match live was a bit big uh, plus for me. Yeah, so I'm going to go and see that. She didn't fancy it. But uh, she really she really enjoyed it. And the most important thing is she now understands what wrestling is. Because I don't think until you actually see it, and I think live is best, I don't think you understand it. No, oh, I think 100% agree with that, yeah. You have to see the atmosphere and get swept away in the actions. There were several moments where she'd be like, did he just... And yes, he did, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's that suspension of disbelief. And and the characters, we were quite lucky, really, that night, because there were some really big characters. There was an M, uh, MJF match he uh, faced against El Fantismo, um, and he cut this brilliant heel promo. Uh, everyone was just chanting crap at him the whole time. 
Um, and then there was a team called um, Besties in the World. I don't know if you've ever seen these guys. I'm the first time I'd seen them. But they came out, their entrance music was Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden. <laughs> Brilliant. So everything else is heavy metal, you know, rock uh, music. And these two come out, I want to stand by you and them. And they're doing all these dance routines and whatever. It was so funny. It was hilarious. And so she was like, oh, I didn't realize it was funny as well. I'm like, this is everything. That's wrestling. It's brilliant. So, yes, no, we had a really good time. So that's been my couple of weeks. What have you been up to then, Pete? Uh, well, not a lot, if I'm being truthful. I've been in work. I've been in work. And I think I've been in work. Well, that's good. Nice to have a bit of variety. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, speaking of work, let's get into this week's show. Ring the bell! We see Conan uh, in Dario Cueto's office. Uh, he tells Dario he's bringing in three uh, luchadors from across the border, and they are Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., and Drago. Dario makes a triple threat match between the three of them, and I am so fucking happy about this. <laughs> yes, no, it definitely felt like we were getting some real stars. I'm not sure how much of them were stars then, or whether it's just looking back with 2019 eyes. Yeah. But I certainly like, oh, yes, I, I know these guys. Well, I certainly know two of them. I, I don't know Drago as well. It made me think of uh, Rocky IV. Um, but, uh... <laughs> if he dies, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do you know I love Rocky IV? It's utter tripe, but I love it. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, oh God, what's the song that he sings uh, in the training video? I can't remember what it is now. Uh, I, uh, I know that. Exactly no, his heart says never, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so cheesy. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, yeah, no, there was there was some issues getting them across the border. Though it's all very shady, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah Mexicans across the border. I'm sure that's going to get easier. Yeah, I guess I would think it gets a lot easier in a few years' time. We'll see, yeah, definitely. See how that one pans out. Yeah, um, they, so... but they stay ready, so they don't have to get ready, which is good <laughs> advice. There are so many awfully amazing lines in this show this week. <laughs> I hope you've written them down because I ran out. I, of I've got some of them. I can't have got more. So we head down to ringside and uh, Striker and Vampiro. Uh, first of all, inform us that thankfully. Blue Demon Jr. is in stable condition. You know, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I, I, I was so anxious. I was going to look it up on Wikipedia, but I didn't want spoilers. No, and, it, was, uh, it was a stressful few weeks. We oh, have to wait to find out. Finally, he's okay. That might mean we'll get a comeback match, and I'm so excited. <laughs> so, uh, Melissa introduces uh, Dario Quater, who comes out to resounding booze. He says that he's heard that there's not enough Lucha in Lucha Underground, so he's going to bring the Lucha. He announces El Mariachi Loco, uh, a luchador he found in his favourite local Mexican restaurant. His family's Mexican Mexican wrestling. It was his family's Mexican. Oh, it was his family's one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's, that makes a whole difference. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he says that if he's successful, he may even play us a song. The entire crowd chants, play us a song. And I was screaming, no, 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 please, no. <laughs> did you um, did you spot the continuity error early on? I did not. So no. Matt Stryker is giving us a recap and recalls the £100,000 that was on offer last week. 
But it was two weeks ago. Yes, it was two episodes ago. Hang on a minute, have I missed something here? And then he he does correct himself later on. Oh, yeah, no, it was two weeks ago. He doesn't apologise for making the cock up. He just assumes we hadn't noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, hang on, what? But yeah, El Mariachi Loco. Comedy heel, I think, is the best way to describe him. Yes, I think that's very, very fitting. Um, And then out comes his opponent, El Mascarita Segrada, who is... They put it a mini wrestler? Yes, they called him a mini. A mini, yes, that's correct. Um, so this match goes about four and a half minutes. And I thought this was a really good fun match, if I'm not being completely honest. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard the name Masqueria Sagrada before. I don't quite know why, but it's it's it, it struck me as, oh, I've heard of this, but maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. But I think he is, judging by what happens a little bit further down the line in the episode, I think he must be a bit of a big name in the... In the Mexican wrestling scene, I'm I'm sure I've heard of him, but I, you know, yeah, there was quite a few uh, standard comedy moments of you know him not being able, Mascarada being not being able to reach Mariachi and all that kind of standard mini match uh, shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, I laughed a lot harder than I should have when Mariachi Loco kicked him in the face and he went flying across the ring. Yeah. I did laugh a lot at that one. Uh, just a question though about about the match. We spoke uh, in episode one quite a bit about uh, the problems of intergender wrestling. Now, I'm, mm. I'm not saying that this is the same, but, well, there are similarities. <laughs> because one thing that we've been talking about whenever it comes to the intergender stuff is that it has to be look, it has to be booked correctly and booked right. Yes. And there's something about this match where you have to switch your brain off a little bit. Because in real life, the stuff that goes on in the ring, it completely defies physics and logic. Yeah. Like there's no way a smaller guy like uh, Masquerade Sagrada would be able to do half of the stuff that he did. No. But but somehow it's okay in that. It didn't bother me as much in this match as it, it is in a match later on, which we'll come to. Um, but this, it, it, I just thought it was so much fun that it almost existed in a separate universe. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, because it wasn't taken as like a serious competition they could get away with a little bit more. I mean, like, the finish was like, it was like a guillotine choke into a small package, if you'll excuse mm. the pun. And you just think, well, Masquerita Sagrada is literally going to weigh, like, half of what El Mariachi Loco weighs, in theory. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a leverage pin, so surely it should be quite easy to roll out of. And it was just, like, little things like that. Like, it's like, yeah. they crossed my mind, but, yeah, you did, I didn't really, like, think too much into them as much as we maybe did with the first episode. No, no. Um, I, I think because you, you're immediately set up with this is this is going to be silly, this is going to be daft. Yeah. Um, you, you sort of get away with it a bit. I mean, there were certainly more flying head scissors than I cared to count in this match. <laughs> yeah, they definitely used the term minis, um, but they were a little bit unsure on commentary as to what the politically correct term is. At one point during the match, Stryker says, what's the politically correct term here, Vamp? <laughs> uh, in which case, Vamp re- responds by saying, I don't know, just fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure Vamp really understands the term politically correct. No, well, uh, to be fair, I, that's a, a strange card to be coming from Matt Stryker's mouth, given a couple of comments he made in uh, a match further down the card. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so after the match, uh, we see Chavo Guerrero come out and he kills Masquerita Sagrada, just yep. destroys him. 
Boots him um, right in the face. Right in the face again, which did again bring a little chuckle. So after that, we see uh, a recap of uh, Charvo's path of destruction over the last couple of weeks. And we get a sit-down interview with Vampiro and Charvo. I'll just go over the bullet points because it was a couple of minutes interview. Um, Vampiro says that Charvo was ridden on the coattails of the Guerrero family name. Uh, Charvo responds by saying he's done things the family's way, out of respect to his family, but now he's leading the family in his own way. Vampiro points out the tap-out and the attack in week two. Charvo says, if the Guerreros don't like you, we take you out. And Blue Demon Jr. has been living off his father's legacy, and he's there to make himself a star. Now, before we get into the final points of it, Vampiro was making me laugh my ass off in this. His <laughs> Just his body movements were like he was on all of the cocaine. Yeah. It was hilarious. I couldn't actually take it seriously. I, <laughs> I found that I was watching Vampiro as opposed to actually listening to what was going on. Yeah, he's um, he he definitely looks like he's sat on a box of frogs. <laughs> he yes. just cannot sit still and get comfortable, and he's just always on edge. So yes, he he definitely looks like he is uh, taking a few little substances, uh, a few oh, sweeteners, yes. shall we say? <laughs> yes, indeed. But I really taking vamps. Uh, agitations to one side I thought this interview was brilliant it reminded me a bit of the the JR Mankind JR Goldust ones back in the day yeah that's good where you know it's 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 different they take it away from the ring and they just do it quietly in the background and and it just gets the character so much across the points that Chavo makes are all points that made made sense they're sort of based in yeah. a, a sort of sense of reality that you can relate to um, i'm not saying that he's in any way coming across as a face but every heel should believe in what they're doing and yeah they're, you know he he definitely looked like he believed sounded like he believed what he was doing you know um he's always done things the guerrero's way but now he's going to do things his way he's leading the family um and he's not here to be a bit part player he's going to be a star um, yeah. And and that's you know because we we've talked about before about Chavo's always been in Eddie's shadow, in in every company especially when you know Eddie was around he was Eddie's nephew you know yeah. rather than his own person, and even after Eddie's death, it was basically Chavo was doing the Eddie Guerrero tribute show half the time. Um, so it it it's completely believable that he wants to be a star. And the vamp talks at one point about Chavo being a champion everywhere he's been, um, and he talks about Chavo talks about wanting to be a champion in Lucha Underground, which is the first time we've ever heard a championship mentioned in yes. in the whole series so far. So it was really interesting that he got the um, the title mention uh, and wanting to have a title when, when at the moment one doesn't exist. But it was a, it was a really good, really intense interview and it added an awful lot to his character i i didn't find vampiro as distracting but i was just really i managed to just be able to really listen and focus on what chavo was saying but i can see why he was yeah. a little bit distracting um, but vampiro signs off with bro you've got some issues <laughs> which you know i think the same could be said for both of you yes 100 percent on that one yeah, no, it, I did enjoy the interview. Like, I, I did go back and like concentrate on it a bit more second time. <laughs> and yeah, it definitely sort of filled out Chavo's sort of character that little bit more and shows where this aggression has been coming from. Yeah. We head backstage and we see Conan and Chavo backstage. 
Conan warns Chavo that people back home know what he did to Blue Demon Jr., and soon they're going to know what he did to Masquerita Sagrada. Conan tells Chavo to disappear because they're coming. So, apparently Chavo has upset Mexico. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and again, more teasing of things to come. You know, I I don't know who they are, um, but uh, they are coming. So, we'll we'll soon see. Conan walks off, and Chavo turns around to see uh, Mil Muertes eyeing him up, uh, with Katrina in following behind him. Katrina says Chavo took something that doesn't belong to him, and Mil Muertes never forgets. And Chavo will one day belong to Mil Muertes. Katrina gives Chavo the lick of death, while you hear a, a subtle... Now this, I love this bit, it's a bit of a theme through the episode, is just after she licks Chavo in the cheek, you just hear the faint sort of ticking of a clock, as if say oh. there's a countdown to something. And one day, someday, you too will belong to me or that. I didn't pick that up, so that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice, it's a very subtle piece of audio, but I thought it was very, very clever. Mm. Um, and then up next we get uh, a match as Ricky Mendel versus Mil Muertes. Um, first of all, we finally get the sort of origin story of Mil Muertes. Um, so, as it turns out, Mil was the only survivor from his family of uh, the Mexico City earthquake back in was it 1985? They said 1986. Oh, you know, I, I meant to write that down. But yes, yeah, I think so, so did I. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when he emerged. He brought all of the death that surrounded him with him, and he found strength and warmth in the coldness of death. And you see him picking up a stone, the, the child Mil Muertes picking up a stone off the floor, which I'm assuming is the stone that Katrina carries around yes. in that lovely bit of silk that she carries with her. I um, absolutely loved this video. This was so good. It was so, so very good. Because it just put all the meat on the bones of this mysterious character. And again, like same with Chavo, again, it all made sense in a sort of weird way. Yeah. It made sense that, you know, everything suddenly became clear. You know, when they introduced him as from beyond the grave, well, he was buried alive as a child. So it's like from being from behind, beyond the grave. Yeah. The stone makes sense because it's the stone from when the earthquake, when he was buried alive and he lost all his family. And, and it, it made the point in the uh, narration that he used to be known as a different name. I forget what name he was when he was a child. But from that day forward, he was Mil Muertes. And this was the birth of him uh, as, as, as the character that, that had to embrace death. And I, it just, yeah, it was it was so good. Yeah, and it also sort of gives like a, <clears throat> it gives the reason as to why he's called Mil Muertes, which of course translates as a thousand deaths. It's obviously going to be the death that sort of surrounded him when he was a child. It's yeah. very, very clever segment, I thought. Yeah, and uh, it was really cleverly shot. It was kind of almost like a comic strip uh, lighting effects to it, you know. It, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't think of that, yeah. It wasn't hyper-realistic, but it had that, yeah, almost magna uh, uh, sort of vibe to it. But, yeah, no, a very good segment. Uh, the match itself was a complete and utter squash. Two and a half minutes, just absolute obliteration of Ricky Mandel. Uh, finishing with a flatliner on the seal of Lucha Underground for the win. Um, I don't like that finisher. It's a 
little bit weak looking for me. As big as Meal is, it's a bit of a eh. Yeah, it's, it's at, at one point, describe, but... at one point he hits uh, Milmuertes. It's this incredible spear. I mean, he just yeah. flattens the jobber, and I was like, "That's that's a finisher," because he's basically bulldozed through him, and yeah. and the flatland just doesn't look to have any major impact. No, it's it's not the the greatest of impactful moves. No, there's yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. But a dominant squash as it should be, especially after following the story and we we fill in all the blanks. Yeah. Uh, one thing with this match as well that did make me laugh, I don't know if you noticed it, James, but Matt Stryker's, um, I'm not going to call it commentary because it wasn't even close to commentary, um, slightly seedy remarks, shall we say, about the lovely Katrina. Yes, I, I did pick a one. <laughs> um, there's, there's a couple that, it, it made me giggle even more when like when you, re- when you said earlier about um, Matt making a comment about political correctness in the, <laughs> in the first uh, first match and then... You see Katrina doing this match. She's sort of leaning onto the apron and clapping the the apron with her hands. And there's, you know, there's an, an element of revealing, shall we say. And what was it Mastriker says? Uh, she can tap the mat for me all day long or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, Matt, come on. That doesn't I even work as a euphemism, Matt. <laughs> What do you I mean, mean? I know can it's ex- not a family show, but come on. Can you explain that to me? How does you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was just that little bit did make me. There was another comment as well that I didn't write down. There was another one just before that one as well. I think. And, yeah, I I missed it this time. Uh, I, I need to write the write them down more. I, I'll be completely honest, peeling the curtain back. I I only managed to watch this show once. I normally try and get them twice. Uh, and the second time is when I really try and write down the, the commentary. But there's, there's just there's just always gold. It's well worth listening to. Yeah, I think we're going to have a, uh, a section of the show perfectly just carved out for vampiroisms and strikerisms <laughs> going forward. Because I feel there's a good bit, of, uh, good bit of content to be had there, James. So uh, next we are outside Dario Cueto's office. And uh, Johnny Mundo takes out our old friends Castro and Cisco. And he storms into Dario's office asking for a match with Big Rick. Uh, and he promises violence in the match and tells mm. Dario Cueto he's next. And again, this is another little spot where we hear the ticking clock. Just as um, Dario sort of looking a bit worried to say, oh, yeah. shit, he's coming after me. You just hear like three or four little ticks of a clock. And it's, it's just, a, a, I don't know why it got to me, but it's, I just thought it was a really good bit of audio. Yeah, I I must have just uh, I don't know, I must have not heard that. Maybe it I is a very subtle. I, very I need to subtle. listen to it with my headphones in the next episode. But uh, I have to say that Johnny Mundo looked like a complete star and a complete badass in this whole scene. Yeah, he just took out the henchman and marches into the room. Looks like he owns the world. Um, it was a a, a really cool scene. Yeah, one hundred percent. Just after that, we see Big Rick in Dio Cueto with a big old wad of $100 bills in his hand. Uh, and he's demanding more. Uh, Dario says he'll cut him a check if he needs to. But next week, he wants Johnny Mundo put into hospital. So it would seem we are getting Johnny versus Big Rick next week. Excellent. Yeah, another cool segment. I've got, I've got much to add to it, to be honest. It was cool. Big Rick is clearly there for the, for the money. Yeah, He's a bit of a man for hire. Um... He's also 
a big bastard who looks scary. Exactly. Um, Definitely doing a match. doing a good job in the paid sort of paid enforcer role. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the match is like next week because uh, you know he is big, he is powerful looking, but whether he can actually go in the ring, who knows? We'll see. Who knows? Indeed. Uh, up next, we get yet another Prince Puma vignette, uh, all about the legacy of the Puma mask and the tribe. And they re- they really are strapping the rocket to Prince Puma in this, aren't they? I've got to say, it was a good promo. It was a good package, but I'm sick of it now. Yeah, I'm really yep. sick of it. I, I can completely understand where you're coming from. I was from. just like, not another one. And yeah, obviously, he is the one that they want to be the big star. But if they want him to be the big star, why aren't they putting him in the angles rather than just doing yep. the video packages? You know, they're saying... Essentially, this is the big star. But actually, if you look at TV time, you know, you've got Mil Marquez, uh there. You've got the other three guys coming in. Johnny Mundo's a bigger star in terms of what he's actually getting to do in terms of a storyline than, than Prince Puma is. It's, it's, it just felt so repetitive. And, and they're, yeah. not really, they're not really adding anything to the story. They're not adding anything to the character. It's more of the same stuff. No, I mean, like, after the last two episodes we've seen, I wasn't, I don't see what there was a lot of to add to the character because they've done such a, a decent job of already building the character up. So, yeah, I thought this vignette was a bit, like, unwarranted. I would have preferred it if they'd have put Prince Puma in with the other three guys in our main event and added the extra three, four minutes onto this match. Yeah. Uh, I think Puma would have been really good as a, as a four-way with these three other guys. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, it is what it is. Obviously, they're trying to do everything they can to to push Puma, but a slight miss on this one for me. Yeah, I, I do wonder what the show would have been like from a live perspective because so much of this show has been backstage stuff and, and videos and promos, which I, I really enjoyed as that different feel. Yeah. Um, but as a live experience, you've not really had a lot to watch. No. And, and I believe... I remember hearing at the time that they recorded like four episodes at a time, so it's it's slightly yeah. different. So they are yeah, getting... they probably would have got like a two-hour show out of a, a four-episode taping, I would assume, because yeah. just looking over my notes now, the, the wrestling time for this show is about 14, 15 minutes <laughs> of what we see as a 44-minute show, so only a third of it is actual action. The rest is all sort of promo and vignettes and everything. It is our main event time. It is a three-way match between Drago, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. Pentagon Jr. came out to this really funky, like, sort of 70s music. His music is fantastic. Yeah, but it's really weird. <laughs> it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't mix with his character, but at the same time, it sort of suits him. It's, it is very strange. It really, really grated on me because, like, what I, the, the very little I know of Pentagon Jr., I mean, I, I saw him... I watched All In, so I saw him in All In, and I've seen bits and pieces. Like, he's this dark badass. Yes. Um, and they talked about it in the matches, him being, like, you know, the, the alter ego, the dark side. Um, and uh, and he comes out to this funky disco music. It just felt really <laughs> weird. But anyway, go. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm just going to get this out there now. I love Pentagon Jr. He's probably my favourite wrestler over the last couple of years. He is fantastic. So I'm so very happy to see him finally in the ring. I couldn't <laughs> remember how long it took for him to come into it. So I've been sort of nervously shaking with anticipation over the last couple of weeks waiting for it. I'm just so glad he's here. 
Um, it was this was a pretty decent match. Um, there were a few issues I had with it, but overall a pretty decent match. It was, I think, it was a good showcase as to what modern lucha libre wrestling is. Would you agree? Yes. Um, I, I was saying to you before we we started recording that. I had some issues with this match. Um, I really was very excited to have this match. I, I knew about Pentagon Jr. I knew about Phoenix. Um, so I didn't know anything about Drago, but they were built up to be these three amazing guys from Lucha Libre. So I was really pumped, really looking forward to the main event. And it just didn't... There was too many moments where it uh, was quite clearly exposed shall we say blatant cooperation is what i put in my notes yes yeah absolutely there was i mean there was one point where uh phoenix hit a handspring on the rope then went to go and hit a cutter on pentagon but it was so (laughs) clear that pentagon wasn't standing where he needed to do so he had to take a couple of steps forward to get into the spot to do the cutter i laugh because i've got the exact same thing in my notes yeah no and it's just like he took such a dive into that cutter, and I was yeah. just like, "Oh, come on!" And, and I, I, yeah, and I get that that's the risk with with high flying aerial lucha yeah, style, absolutely. Um, and to an extent, you have to forgive it a little bit, but it just took me out of the match, to be honest. And there was other bits where, you know, the um, the standards thing where there's two people standing around outside waiting for the other guy <laughs> to land on them, you know. Yeah, which is I, just also in my notes. Yeah, I, actually t- <laughs> I timed. I think there were two different spots where Phoenix was going for a dive, and Pentagon and Drago just had to stand there. The first time, Pentagon and Drago were stood there for seven seconds, watching Phoenix while he climbed the rope. <laughs> it's like just hit each other, something. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, and, and you know, I guess you know. <sighs> They've got to be there. They've got to be in position, and they've got to be safe. And I get that. Yeah. But you don't want to look like it's coordinated. You don't yeah. want to look like they're helping each other out. And there was just too many spots where that was clearly happening. So, yeah. My, my note on that uh, that springboard cutter: it looks shit because <laughs> um, it just it, it just it looks was, so fake. Yeah. It was it was the worst spot I've seen like over the last three episodes. And oh yeah. I like the match because I do like the sort of the flippiness stuff, but this was a little bit over the realms of believability. I think the problem is it didn't flow. Like, and maybe that will change if I watch it back again, but I think it's the kind of match that suits itself to YouTube highlights. Yeah. Whereas if you watch the whole thing, it doesn't have the the smoothness that it requires because it's just one move and another move and another move, which I, I understand is part of the style and it is a bit of a spot fest as, as it's sometimes referred to. And and I have no problem with matches like that. Sometimes they're cool. Yeah. But it has still has to flow. Yeah, absolutely. There was, there was flow. no flow. No. Yeah, there were definitely chunks that you could have edited out and made it a bit better. Yeah. Uh, Matt Stryker talks about how the matches used to be called a three-way dance and they're now triple threat matches which just sounds more dangerous. And he's not wrong. Uh, I mean, I don't like the term three-way dance. What about, you know, do you like the three-way dance or a triple threat? I prefer a triple threat. Three-way dance just sounds like an 80s disco competition to me. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it doesn't sound as dangerous, but then I suppose it depends upon who you're dancing with. Well, yeah, that is If true. you're dancing with me, then you've got your feet are in all sorts of problems. 
if you're dancing with me, you're in the wrong room, to be quite frank. <laughs> <laughs> He's hardcore. He's hardcore. <laughs> so the other thing I noticed in this match, and I don't know whether um, this is a continual thing, but and, and maybe I've just maybe I've missed seeing it, but the hard camera keeps changing. Yes. Do you know what? Now you mention it, I did pick not so much in this episode, I think, but in the second episode, there are at least two hard cams. So I noticed it in this match more than I, I think I'd noticed it in other ones, but I certainly noticed it majorly in this match. Part of it was because there were so many scenes where they were going from the inside to the outside. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's really strange because all of a sudden the audience has changed. Yeah. And they look like, you know, they're different people. And the, the back the back um, scenery though, if you like, if you're thinking of it as a picture, it suddenly it's changed and you're thinking it's really disorientating. You're thinking, where are they? Where are they in the ring? Yeah. I, I don't like that at all. I hope that is just something that they experiment with and drop at some stage. Because maybe that's just because I've grown up with WWE where they have a hard camera. Yeah. I mean, they have plenty of other cameras, but they have a hard camera. Yes, that's so it. So you have, always yeah. know where you are. Um, it just makes it... I found it quite uh, dizzying. You know, it just didn't know where anyone was or where they were going and it just felt jarring as well. It just didn't help the match, which already felt quite jarring with the stop-start nature. Yeah. But to have the camera keep moving from, from one position to another position just was, was bizarre. No, yeah, now no you point that out. Yeah, it is, um, it is something I had sort of briefly thought of. Um, yeah, so the match finishes. Uh, Phoenix wins. He hits uh, a pretty sick-looking reverse Rana on uh, Pentagon Jr. for the win. And... I I can never I never know whether I'm a fan of the reverse runner or not. I when love it. When it's done properly, it looks sickeningly good. But sometimes I just think, oh, that looked too far. But... So there was there was one uh, in the fast lane match between the the, the three way between Brian Alley and uh, Owens. Uh, I don't have you watched it? I have, but I'm not going to lie. I did go on Twitter doing the match because I did start getting a tiny bit bored. So I well, may have missed it. At one point, Mustafa Ali hits a reverse Hurricane runner on Kevin Owens, and it looks incredible. But it looks sore as hell. But it, it looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, I did like this one because it was sort of... He planted Pentagon, or looked like he planted Pentagon right on the top of his skull. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Phoenix gets the win in this one. Get to the end of the show, and we see Dario Cueto in what looks to be a prison... Yep. Uh, he's talking to a, a shadowy figure behind the camera, a heavy breathing character, uh, and says, I will not be intimidated by anyone, not even you. And he sort of plays with the key that's been hanging around his neck, and the 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 character behind the camera casts a shadow over Dario as we go to the end of the show. To be so, continued. Uh, to be continued. Another potential character coming involved there. I I know exactly who it is, but obviously for, I'm not going to say. But it's a, a beautiful little tease to end the show. I have no idea who it is, as you can well imagine. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, it's another moment of, oh, this is, I really want to watch it and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, marks out of five, James, what would you say for this show? Despite the lack of anything semi-decent wrestling, I mean, the main event, as you say, was, was good, but it had issues... Um, and the other matches were pretty much nothing. Um, I loved this episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm getting really involved in the stories. I'm getting really involved in the angles. Uh, and uh, I would give this episode a 
four. I would say I'll give it a four. If I'd like it to have better wrestling and a bit more wrestling. Um, but yes, I'll give it a four. Good, good score. I was going to go three and a half myself. Right. Um, just along the similar sort of interview, I would have liked to have seen a bit more wrestling. I know like the first two shows haven't exactly been all wrestling, but it feels like we've been about half and half, and this show was a bit lower. But yeah. the content that we did have, like the backstage vignettes and everything, they did make up for it a bit. Really, really good character building again in this episode. And um, plenty of places to go forward, I think. Well, I think that's it for me as, as the guy that's watching it for the first time. Like, every episode seems to be improving. I mean, I, I the first episode was like, oh, yeah, this is this is good, this is interesting, but, you know, it's all a bit not quite sure what to do with it. I'm not quite sure how to watch it and how to read it. And by the second episode, we were getting more character work and more character work. And this episode, there's just so much stuff going on that, like, by the time I finished watching it, I was straight away going, I really want to watch the next episode now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we've always had to wait to record, but I really want to watch it. And, (laughs) like, that's the first time I've been like that because otherwise it's been like, oh, well, I suppose I better get around to watching it and and whatever because I've not been engaged in in the characters or the storyline. But this time. There's so much intrigue, and, and that's what they're really good at doing on Lucha Underground is, is is setting things up. You know, we've got who are they that are coming after Chavo? We've got Chavo, is he going to go and attack somebody else? We've got Big Rick versus Johnny Mondo, and then Johnny Mondo threatening Dario Cueto. We've got uh, Pentagon Jr. arriving, who I know goes on to be a big star, so he's an exciting arrival. Then we've got the big cliffhanger at the end with Dario Cueto's face being engulfed in a shadow, you know. And, you know, I'm not intimidated by anybody, not even you. Assumably, we're getting some other big bastard coming in to to, to wreck the joint. Yeah. And I just want to watch it. I want to see what's happening. And there's so much in, in a in a relatively short show. Yeah. Because it's less than an hour when we, the versions that we're watching, obviously, we still have the adverts in them. We just got so much going on. And, yes, I, I'd like some more in-ring stuff. And I'd like longer matches. And I'd like the matches to be a bit better. Um, but... You know, I I grew up watching wrestling in the the dawn of the Attitude Era. You know, one of my yeah. we spoke in the first episode, but one of my first memories of of watching it regularly, I remember Ahmed Johnson, and the Nation of Domination, being involved together. You know, and those were shows where wrestling was in any way important. Um, but it was the characters and the storylines, and that's what yeah. Lucha Underground's really got going for it at the moment. Like I said, all that stuff you mentioned, and that's just with the characters we know about. Yeah, we and, don't and even all know, of the characters. We don't know who else is going to come in. No, and all of the characters we know are capable wrestlers. They've just not been able to put it together yet. I mean, yeah. you know, Johnny Mundo, uh, Pete Pentagon Jr., etc., and Prince Puma, who we, we haven't even seen in the ring this this episode. We know they're all good. I'm still not totally sold on Milmuartes in the ring, um, but as a character, he's very engaging. Um, but they're all capable of doing good stuff. So I have no doubts that when we finally do get the time to have a good match or a blow-off match or the you know feud-ending match, it's going to be good. So it's worth waiting for um, and the, watching watching and enjoying the build. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that calls an end to this week's episode. James, would you like to get our glorious plugs out of the way for the wonderful two listeners we have? <laughs> well, I know of a couple, so I know there are people out there. Yes. Um, so the Let's we are, who on... you are. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, do because we're all over social media, but nobody talks to us. Please talk to us, and if you want, next time we'll even actually answer some questions. But you've got to send some in first. Indeed. Um, right. So we're on Twitter at Pod Deeper. 
that's Deeper Underground Pod at Pod Deeper on Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook. If you search for Deeper Underground, we're on Facebook as well. We're not on Instagram because we don't like Instagram. Uh. <laughs> uh, and I'm on Twitter uh, at Prince Punda, Prince uh, P U N D A. And Pete's on at uh, at Supernova619. That's S U P A N O V N O V A 619. So you can find us, follow us, like, share, spread the word if you're enjoying it. Uh, if you're not enjoying it, don't tell anybody. But if no, you do, let us know. Give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you can give us a rating. Uh, everything like that really helps us boost the profile of the uh, of the pod. And we really want to be able to start involving you listeners a bit more by doing things like uh, questions and, and interacting with you on, on the social medias. Uh, but you have to let us know that you're there so that we know to do it. Indeed. We cannot talk to FDR. I mean, you you can. Well, we can't. I mean, uh, we can't, we've kind of done that for three episodes, so <laughs> that may have been a stupid thing to say. Sometimes we can't talk to nobody. That's the, only, that's, that's the only time I get a conversation where nobody argues with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, until the next episode, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure, and we will see you next time. Absolutely. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye.